0: Thank you so much for choosing to spend part of your busy day here with us this morning as we worship the Lord. Dawson Trotman grew up in a very traditional Presbyterian home. Now, unfortunately, it was one of those uh, churches in which they didn't talk much about a commitment to the Lord, and so Dawson grew up without a real strong sense of what it meant to follow Jesus. As a young man, he worked in a lumber yard in his early 20s. He uh, went out drinking one night and ended up in jail. Now, from jail, he said one of those real quick save me prayers. Oh, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll, I'll go back to church. And Sure enough, the next day they released him, gave him a warning and uh, He thought, well, I guess I need to do something. So he looked at church and he didn't like it very much. But church had a youth group. And some of the girls that attended the youth group were really cute. So he figured, okay, I'll go to youth group. So he went to youth group. And while he was there, he was trying to catch the eyes of some of the young ladies Well they had a contest, a scripture memorization contest and for whatever reason, he thought if I win the contest, I'll catch the eyes of some of these young ladies. So they had 10 verses, he went home and he memorized all 10 verses perfectly. Came back next week, he won the contest. Now I have no idea if he got a date out of it. But what I do know is that on Monday morning, he was walking to work thinking about the verses that he had learned. One of those verses was John five twenty four: Those who listen to my words and believe in God who sent me will have eternal life. Dawson thought about that he listened to those words he believed in the God that sent Jesus and that morning there on the sidewalk on his way to work he gave his life to Jesus now he got to work and he told one of his friends that he knew was a Christian what had happened that friend said well you need to share that with the other guys and so he did Dawson studied in a Bible institute. He wanted to learn more about scripture. So uh, he went to the Bible institute. He began to learn how to share his faith. He began to learn how to study scripture. And he read in Matthew 28 that Jesus said that as we go, we are to make disciples. And Dawson looked at what he was doing and he said, well, I'm not doing that. So he quit the Bible Institute and he went out to make disciples. Now one of his friends at the Bible Institute enrolled in the Navy and he also had to leave the Bible Institute but he knew about Dawson, he knew what Dawson was doing and so he contacted him and told him that he was going into the Navy and in the Navy they would go to sea for six weeks. They'd come back, and they'd be in the docks then for a week to two weeks. So the friend said, while I'm here, I really don't have all, much, all that much that I'm doing on the ship, so let's get together, so he did. His name was Lee Spencer. He went, studied with Dawson, they, they studied together, how to study scripture, how to lead a Bible study, how to pray. They studied how to share their faith. Time was up and the ship went to sea. His friend went off to sea and in six weeks he came back and he brought a dozen more with him. Twelve other men that he had led to the Lord in those six weeks while they were at sea. So now there's 12 of them learning how to pray, learning how to study God's word, learning how to share their faith. They went off again for six weeks. Pretty soon there were 50 of them coming to Dawson's house. Dawson began to develop a process, how to teach young men how to grow in their faith. Well, in 1928, Dawson picked up a hitchhiker. Now, back in those days, it was common to do this. In fact, there were billboards that said something like, have a heart, give the guy a ride, and uh, people were actually encouraged to pick up hitchhikers along the road. uh, Dawson did that. And uh, this particular hitchhiker was a problem. He was cussing up a storm. He was just pretty obnoxious in general. So Dawson shared his faith with him and he invited him to accept Jesus. When he did, the young man looked at him and said, I remember you now. He said, I was here on this highway about a year ago and you picked me up and you shared your faith with me then and I accepted Jesus with you then. Do I need to do it again? (laughs) Well, Trotman began to see that there was a problem. There was a gap between people coming to Jesus and learning to be an effective Christian. So he decided to do something about that. And he began to teach in churches a process that today we've come to call follow-up. He began a ministry called The Navigators, probably because of his work with with Navy men uh, early on. Uh, The Navigators' entire role is to help people move from their early days as a Christian to become a solid Christian. He was so successful that Youth for Christ Invited him to do all of their follow-up. Young Life came to him and said, teach us how to do follow-up. The Billy Graham Evangelistic Association went to Dawson and said, you, come in after our revivals, after our camp meetings, our tent meetings, and do all of the follow-up. Dawson Trotman is considered the father of the modern discipleship. Movement. He is the man that turned disciple from a noun into a verb. Well, Dawson started the navigators after reading 2 Timothy 2 2. Let's take a look at that verse together. Paul, in writing Timothy, says, You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, you, Timothy, teach these things to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others also. This is Paul's instructions to Timothy. Paul had left Timothy in charge of the church in Ephesus. Later, that expanded to all of Asia Minor. And then eventually, it expanded into what today we call Bosnia and Sarajevo. Paul at this time was in prison and he had instructions for Timothy. Now when we first meet Timothy, it's Acts chapter 16. Timothy is a very young man. His mother... Brings Timothy to Paul when Timothy is of an age to apprentice for some sort of skill. Timothy's mother brings him to Paul and says, I want you to take him. Teach him how to be a Paul. Teach him how to do what you're doing. Timothy literally apprenticed with Paul. Now that means that Timothy at this time at this age, was 14 or 15 years old. Paul took him for the next couple of chapters in the book of Acts. We don't hear of Timothy. I personally think what's going on is Paul is pouring into Timothy everything that he knows, everything from the Old Testament, everything he knows about Jesus. Then a couple of chapters later, we see that Paul finishes a ministry in one city and he moves on but Acts says that he left Timothy and Silas behind to finish up the ministry. That happens another two or three times. Paul moves on. He leaves Timothy and Silas behind and then suddenly Paul sends Timothy and Silas ahead of him into a new city and they Open up the work. And then Paul comes in. Very obviously Paul is taking Timothy and he is apprenticing Timothy. So that Timothy knows how to be a good Christian. And how to be a good missionary. Just like Paul. Now it's said that there are seven generations in 2 Timothy 2.2. Let's take a look at them. You go all the way back to Jesus. Jesus discipled the 12. In the early chapters of the book of Acts, the 12 take a young man named Barnabas aside and they teach him. Barnabas goes to Antioch and when he gets to Antioch, he actually travels to Tarsus, finds Paul and brings Paul alongside himself to learn the ministry to learn what it means to be a good Christian Paul in Acts chapter 16 takes Timothy and now he tells Timothy find trustworthy people who will learn everything that you have to teach them and then pass it on to others and you and I are among the others now we're, way, we're down somewhere in the basement in the others. This is a lot of generations later, but there was a process set up of people reproducing themselves in other people, talking to others, ministering to others. Here, Paul writes Timothy. He tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, that the ministry is hard. Sometimes the ministry is frustrating, but he says that the ministry is also fulfilling. It's a ministry of fulfillment of a lifetime of following Jesus and walking with someone else who is also following Jesus. There's a lot that we can learn if we just listen into what Paul says to Timothy about the ministry, about following Jesus. So we're gonna do just that. We've read 2 Timothy chapter two. Let's go back to chapter one so we see what it is that Paul leads into 2 Timothy 2.2 with. He says first of all in 2 Timothy 1a, never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Now, in Paul's day, it was actually dangerous to tell others about the Lord. Paul did, and as a result, he was in prison. He was in prison writing these words to Timothy. The book of Hebrews chapter 13, the author of Hebrews says, I understand that Timothy has been released from prison. So at some point, Timothy was imprisoned for sharing the news about Jesus. Well now you and I will probably never be jailed for sharing the news about Jesus. But sharing Jesus is still frightening. It's frightening because we don't know how the other person is gonna respond. Will they reject us? Will that be the end of our friendship? Will they mock us? Some of us are in positions where if we share about Jesus in our work, it could compromise our work position. It's hard to share about Jesus. But Paul says, never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. A couple of verses later, he goes on and he says, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching. That you've learned from me. A pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us carefully. Guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. What Paul is saying to Timothy here is Timothy. You've been learning. You don't have to teach anything. That you haven't already learned. You get a start with what you have. Just share that. Paul goes on. Near the end of the chapter, he talks about a family that reached out to him. May the Lord show special kindness to Onesiphorus and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me. They spent time with Paul. Paul's saying to Timothy, be willing to spend time with your disciples. And then finally, after Second 2 Timothy 2:2, 2, 2, the very next verse, Paul says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Wow. Endure suffering? Paul says the Christian life, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it can only be characterized as suffering. Endure it, but do it with me. Part of being a disciple maker is walking through life, the hard parts of life together with someone else. Lynn and I went to Columbia in 1976. We were there serving as missionaries. Uh, we had gone because we felt God calling us to do exactly this, to make disciples, and we wanted to do that in Colombia. We spent about a year working with youth. At the end of that year, We began to teach in a seminary, but I was very careful not to just look at the classroom as my disciple-making lab. Instead, I would invite certain young men, a a number of young fellows each year, to meet with me and work through life together. One of those young men, one of the first ones, was named Leopoldo Yola. Leopoldo came from Ecuador. They had sent him over to Colombia to study. He actually went back to Ecuador and became the president of their church. I began to meet with Leopoldo and uh, one of our first meetings I said, Leopoldo, is there anything that you feel God is calling you to work on in your life? And he thought about it and he said, well, no, not really. Uh, You know, I know I got things to work on but I have no idea what they would be, Um, I'm not sure. So we began to pray together, Lord, show us in our life what it is that we need to work on. Now, that next Sunday, uh, we would go to a different church each Sunday. We weren't church hopping, but teaching in the seminary, I would frequently go and hear students who were preaching in churches. On this particular Sunday, Leopoldo was going along with us. Now that day, I was driving an International Harvester pickup truck. So it was bright orange. Um, It was a pickup converted into a van. They had put a cab over the back and they put uh, two or three benches in the back. I could get a dozen students. In the back of that pickup. So, you know, we were heading out, uh, going to church. And that particular Sunday, I had a brand new light gray three-piece suit. Now, if you don't know what a three-piece suit is, it's the pants, the jacket, and a vest. And I was styling. I I was looking good that morning. So we got in the car and we were driving down the highway, getting to church when all of a sudden, flat tire. So I got out, I looked at the tire and sure enough, the tire was flat and it was flat along the bottom. You can't drive it when it's flat on the bottom. If it was flat on the top, it'd be okay. But uh... So I said, well, everybody out, I got to change the tire. Now, it was a pickup truck. So it wasn't nice and convenient like a car where you get a jack that hooks into the side of the car and picks it up. You actually had to crawl underneath the tire. I had one of those old hydraulic jacks and you had to position it underneath the axle and pick up the whole side of the car practically. So I crawled underneath the car in my new light gray three-piece suit, laying on my back, got it positioned, and discovered that the jack didn't have the normal lever. I had to use the tire iron to jack it up. That's about that long. So I'm laying on my back with my hands over my head, pumping the hydraulic jack until the tire would get up high enough that I could change it. And I was not having a good time. I was more than just a little bit perturbed. In fact, I was fuming. But I choked down my feelings. I moved on. I did the next thing. Changed the tire. Got everybody back in the car. We made it to church in time for the final prayer. Missed the whole thing. Next week I met with Leopoldo. I said, Leopoldo, has the Lord been showing you anything? And he looked at me and he said, yeah. He said, you know, on Sunday... I was supposed to preach at church. And I had spent all week working on a sermon and it was a good sermon. And I was looking forward to being able to preach and see how people would respond and we had that flat tire. He said, Randy, I was more than a little bit perturbed. I was fuming. But I choked down my feelings. I did the next thing. So I looked at Leopoldo and I said, wow, you ought to work on that. No, I didn't say that at all. (laughs) I said, guess what, Leopoldo? I responded in exactly the same way. And we began to study what scripture says about anger, that kind of anger, not where you explode, but the kind of anger where you swallow it up and what that does to you. And we looked at biblical examples. What we were doing was working our way through life together. And it made all the difference. So what do we learn from Timothy? Well, we learn four things. First of all, we learn that we need to share Jesus. Now, when we talk about making disciples... And in just a few minutes, I will challenge you to find someone and make a disciple of them. When we talk about making disciples, we tend to think about the church. A disciple is somebody that's accepted Jesus. So we look to our friends who have accepted Jesus. Most of those attend church. So we tend to look inside church. And that's okay as a start, but that is not. What Jesus was saying. Jesus in Matthew 28 said, Go into all the world and make disciples. He did not say, Thomas, I want you to pair up with uh, Nathaniel and uh, work on learning how to pray together. He didn't say, Bartholomew, I want you and Simon the Lesser to come together and learn how to share your faith. Now, we might need to do that. That is not wrong, but that is not the purpose of what we're doing. We make disciples when we begin to share Jesus with those who are around us. In fact, the first steps of disciple making may actually take place before they make a decision to accept the Lord. That's okay. That's understandable. That happens. Secondly, we start with what we have. You don't have to have all the answers. In fact, it's almost better that you don't. Because if you have all the answers, you teach your disciple to depend on you. But if your disciple comes to you and says, what do I do about this? And you have to say, I don't know. Let's find out together and you go to God's word, what are you communicating? That our authority is not me, it's God's word. We can find solutions in God's word. Third, we need to spend time together. Now, that can happen socially, it can be meeting with someone to uh, share a coffee. Maybe share a meal. It could be getting our families together. Shoot, we could go and watch a football game together. But we need to have time too, where we come together and we sit down and we say privately, okay, what's really up? How you doing? We need to be able to bear our souls to each other and work through life. Together, that's the fourth point. We work through life together. The hard things of life. Jason told you that on fe- February the sixth in our covenant members meeting, we'll talk a little bit about a three-year vision. We've spent some time trying to develop a vision that we can pursue here at New Hope. I wanna share with you just one small part of that. In the next three years, by December 31st, 2023, New Hope Church wants to see 200 people reproducing their faith in others. Now that's us. That's all of us. We wanna all to be doing this. We wanna see 400 new people open to spiritual conversations. That means that each one of us who is reproducing their faith in someone else needs to have on an average two people that you're reaching out to. And as a result, we'd like to see 45 new decisions. And baptisms. Now we've averaged over the last three or four years. Eight to twelve a year. We want to see that grow. We believe. That God wants to do something. Through us. We believe that each one of us. Needs first of all to be a disciple. And then we need to be reaching out and making a disciple. We believe that to be Jesus in every corner of our culture, we need to be a disciple, and we need to make a disciple. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church Podcast. If you would, do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, Feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.